0: Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Steven Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. The Marvel superhero movie Black Panther has made more than a billion dollars at the box office. It joined an elite class, just a handful of movies, in its company, that have surpassed that $1 billion mark. The success of Ryan Coogler's Afrocentric superhero film has called into question long-held standards in Hollywood that regard white heroism as the only form of gallantry that's palatable to the general public. The proverbial white knight was knocked off his horse and replaced with the black king who lives in full celebration of blackness, and black success. Black Panther also called us to discuss more intimately the importance of representation in entertainment, the ability for all Americans to see themselves reflected in positive roles on the big and small screens, as well as in art and literature. The issue of representation cuts right to the core of the world from which Black Panther was birthed. Comic books, The industry of illustrated storytelling has been wrestling for a lot of years with what it means to reflect society in its fictionalized worlds and the heroes that rescue them. My guest today understands the issues of race and representation in the world of comics really well. Saladin Ahmed is a comic book story writer who's currently working on Black Bolt and Exiles, both in the Marvel Universe, and Abbott, which is a series that takes place in the 1970s here in Detroit. Ahmed is also a native of Detroit and lives here with his family. Saladin, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi there. Uh, let's start with the idea of representation in fictional worlds, fiction uh, versus nonfiction. Um, your work is, as I read it, really focused on the idea of that representation and, and enhancing that representation, not just for you, but for lots of other people who don't see themselves a whole lot in the comic book world.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely the case. Pretty much everything I write um, is kind of concerned with kind of bringing voices into uh, these stories uh, that are not typically uh, in these stories or are sort of side characters or sort of clownish characters or villains mm-hmm. or, or, uh, you know, whatever sort of uh cardboard cutout. Right. And, um, uh, a great deal of my work is kind of taking, uh, those people, whether that's uh, Arab characters, whether that's black characters, whether that's gay characters, whoever it is, and sort of, uh, shifting them, uh, you know, women, um, uh, shifting them more towards the center yeah. of the story.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, And and when you're when you're doing that, is it is it different uh, from thinking of a white character who is a hero? Is there something inherently different about the process or or the writing that that uh, that stands out to you? Well, you know, uh, yeah,
1: I mean, there is. I try and honor the the story of any character that I'm working on Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, the Specificity of where we come from is is, is part of that story. Um, I'm also a writer who's really interested in kind of childhood and and you know we could form our identity then and 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 so those those sorts of labels come to us early. But I also think that uh I think that probably a lot of times when people are writing white characters they don't think enough about. What it means for this character to be white, you right, know, or to be right. male, or to be—I
0: uh, mean—that's so often the default, right? Yeah. Uh, people think, well, this is a this is a hero; it's going to be a white character, and and I think uh, maybe maybe that comes without thought, right?
1: It does, and it's it's fascinating to me because no one no one ever asks uh, a writer, you know, well, well, what was your thought in making this character a, a, a straight white man, you know? <laughs> right. But uh, you know, one of the... Uh, if you've got a, a, a bisexual black woman as your star, then that's everybody's like first question. and yeah. it's, it's just fascinating to me. yeah.
0: So. yeah. Uh, I, I'm curious uh, as a comic book uh, writer, what you make of the success of Black Panther and whether that is kicking down a door that now lots of other people will run through with, with characters who don't look like the heroes of, of comic books uh, of comic books past.
1: Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a long. that's a long, I'm glad we're here for a minute <laughs> because right? that's, we that's, that's, that's a long, uh, complex <laughs> discussion. You know I mean? For me, I'm, I'm 42. Uh, you know, I really, I grew up in that era where comic books were really like, you know, um, uh, something you did when you, you know, something you read when you, <laughs> uh, I don't know, smelled weird and hit in the back of the <laughs> class or, you know, I, I like, it's it was, it was nerd stuff, and uh, I mean, on the one hand, we have to kind of think about Black Panther just in the general context of just superheroes and geek culture and all that stuff, just comic book stuff sure. being what our pop culture is now. You know, I mean, it's just still, even leaving aside uh, Black Panther, it's still wild to me that when I go to, like, a, my kids' Halloween parties, half these kids are dressed as Iron Man. Yeah. Like, nobody knew who <laughs> Iron Man was when I was a, a little kid. But for me, uh, especially, you know, and uh, you know, I'm not black. I'm Arab, mm-hmm. but uh, but I always felt kind of invisible in in superhero comics. Mm-hmm. As much as I loved superhero comics and identified with this or that character, um, T'Challa was always. He always had a spot in my heart because yeah. he was he was brown skin, like a lot of the men around me. You know, he was um, he had a different kind of name. He was from a different country. Mm-hmm. You know, and. Uh, he was always this sort of minor character that I I love <laughs> to death. And then uh, when I was uh, an adult, a uh, young adult, uh, Christopher Priest wrote this series of Black Panther comics that a lot of the movie's inspiration comes from in terms of this world building and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, somebody somebody reinvigorated this character. But even so, I I, I never thought there'd be like a blockbuster like this. And it's it's amazing to see. It's wonderful. I mean, there's like not only the, just the kind of financial success, but seeing across the board. You know, when I went and saw it, there was like a, a, a group of church ladies there seeing it together. <laughs> it was Sunday. They'd clearly come like after church mm-hmm. together to go see it. These are like, you know, middle-aged to old ladies that were like not going to see, uh, you know, Ant-Man or whatever, but, <laughs> but Black Panther called them out to see a, a superhero movie, and it was, it was amazing. I think generalizing about success i'm real cautious about i mean i'm i work in comics and film is a separate thing you know but i'm 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 starting to get a glimpse into the film world a little bit and uh and in both realms there's still a lot of work to do the people making the decisions the people with the money to hand out right still really look one way and uh have some ideas a lot of them have some ideas that are very narrow and i think i feel like we need to take a minute and uh Really, in particular, celebrate uh, Ryan Coogler's kind of individual genius, you know, because a lot of why this film succeeded was it was just
0: the way I mean, th- th- this guy's that a genuine
1: this. genius to my mind. He's I'm slightly resentful because he's like 10 years younger than me or something <laughs> like that, you know and and he made this brilliant film that apply, appealed to across so many quadrants and w- was still being good. And still being true to comic books, too, Uh which is uh wild. It's just, it's, 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 that's not an act that's going to be repeated a whole lot, I feel like. So, you know, there's, there's, there's some good news there, but I don't know how universal
0: that is. uh, This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Saladin Ahmed. He's a writer, novelist, and author of numerous comic books, including. Abbott, uh, Black Bolt, and Exiles. We are talking about the idea of representation in the comic world, in the fiction world of fantasy stories that come out of comic books, how it's changing, uh, and where it's headed. Uh, Saladin, I want to talk m- more now about your work uh, and, and some of the, the stories that you have uh, sort of created and, and nursed over <laughs> over the years. Uh, I want to start with Abbott uh, and, and maybe... Uh, maybe because I I really love this character and this story. Uh, it's it's set in Detroit in the 1970s, and it features uh, a black woman who is a photojournalist works for a daily newspaper here in the city of Detroit. Tell me about this world and this story. How you came up with that?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, I always feel like when uh, when journalists read it. I feel like I have to apologize because I, <laughs> you know, I know I got all sorts of details wrong, but it's a service wrong. story. <laughs> but um, no, Ab- Abbott is a, it's, so it's a comic book, uh, independent comic book, creator-owned comic book, which means uh, I've created the characters and world and own the kind of property as opposed yeah. to when I work for Marvel or DC and uh, put out by Boom Comics. And it's uh, set in 1972 Detroit and uh, a kind of slightly alternate version where there's some some kind of dark occult mm-hmm. things happening, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, our hero for the comic is Elena Abbott, who is uh, a sort of very dogged reporter uh, investigator. She's working for sort of a uh, the uh, sort of a sort of second rate newspaper mm-hmm. in the city, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, is the only black reporter at her newspaper. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she's sort of in this this not only this white world but also this man's world of uh, of 1970s journalism trying to navigate um, and she's a sort of investigative genius but uh, but is sort of relegated um, to uh, to these grisly tabloid like stories of, of crime and stuff uh, although she sort of carves out a place for herself to to tell other stories so she's writing stories about things like police brutality and organized crime in, uh, in, in early 70s Detroit and, and raising a lot of hackles ruffling feathers <laughs> because of that um, but she's uh, She's a sort of haunted character. You know, uh Elena Abbott is very much in the mold of these sort of noir detective who is uh has a has a troubled past and is drinking brandy every night and, and smoking cigarettes and, and and thinking about, you know, um an ex-love. Um that's so, so unfamiliar to any sort of journalist. <laughs> <yeah>, right, exactly. <laughs> but but again, the sort of thing of of putting somebody else at the center of that kind of story, right? Is like uh is sadly kind of rare mm-hmm. so uh so she's um her specific tragic backstory <laughs> is that uh, uh uh elena's husband um was murdered several years earlier by some sort of shadowy monster thing, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and uh um she knows she's not crazy she knows she actually saw whatever this is but everyone around her pretty much thinks she's crazy and so she's she's kind of tried to forget um and uh we join her as she's covering a, a, a story for the paper, um, and uh, it's a series of, of crimes that um, grisly sort of uh, a, a mutilation of an animal and then a murder of a person, and they uh, bear the hallmarks of the, the crime that took her husband from her. Right,
0: right. Uh, the starkness of that story, the stark sort of violence uh, of, of that first book, uh, and, and in the second, um, I think, Lends itself somehow in my mind to the setting, right? The 1970s in Detroit, the decade when I was born, decade when you were born. Um, I I like, I very much like the way you meld that story into what's sort of going on in the city more generally. Sometimes in the voice of of, uh, sort of a news narrative. That's that's over overarching everything. yeah 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 I
1: have little snippets of the the sorts of articles she's she's working on and it, it is it's a story you know I grew up now I grew up uh, uh, it's funny because when I do national media stuff people are just like Detroit Detroit and and but when I'm <laughs> talking to somebody local I feel like I have to stress that I'm I grew up in Dearborn and uh, people think I'm fronting or something <laughs> um, but uh, but you know I, I really grew up with Detroit as, as a really strong influence uh, uh, the city proper and and um, my Dad was pretty instrumental in kind of countering a narrative out there that I heard. The, the narrative out there was, you know, Detroit burned down in 1967, and now it's this horrible place. And you know, um, uh, my father was sort of like very instrumental in showing me, no, they're they're people doing doing things, living their lives, doing exciting things mm-hmm. with their lives, even though it's an uphill battle, you know. Um, and uh, and a lot of that was was racially coded too, you know, was uh, was um, about. Sort of not seeing the things that Black people were doing in this in the city in the '70s, um, and so you know it's just it's just a it's a setting and a story that I think is rich for kind of uh, taking a better look at. Now, with all that, I'll stress it's a it's a horror comic book, so it's not <laughs> it like it's not a, a, a you know a dissertation in sociology or something like that. So I don't I don't know how rich a job I do of getting it, but I it, it does make a good setting i
0: think yeah uh before we get to break i want to ask you about the process of writing these stories primarily told through illustration and dialogue you are Mm -hmm. the writer of of the series you're not doing uh, the artwork but uh, how do you outline and write a story like this yeah and i should really stress that
1: really artists are the co-creators. So Sammy Cavella, who's uh, drawing it, and uh, uh, Jason Wardy, who's doing the colors on the book, are really my, my co-creators. Um, but what I do is I, I come up with the story, I outline kind of what the general arc of a, of a, Abbott in this case is a limited series of five issues. So what will the arc be across, you know, five sort of episodes as mm-hmm, it were, mm-hmm. and uh, um, you know, what the plot beats are going to be. And then I outline each panel and I say, you actually draw up a script and you say panel one and you describe <laughs> what people will see in that panel and you describe what each character is saying in that panel. And then it's a bit of back and forth with the artist because they're visual storytellers. So they say maybe this should happen here and that should happen there, but it's a, it's an exciting process. Yeah. Uh,
0: and, and how much does the artist influence that story and that, in that process? Do you find yourself really turning things on their head sometime? That really
1: depends on the relationship. Um, uh, I'm, I'm a pretty, uh, <laughs> I'm not a control freak, but I have a pretty set, um, sense of script when I go in there. So artists don't like, uh, go crazy with it, but say in Black Bolt, where I'm working with a guy who I've developed a relationship with over time and we just, we influence each other a bit more. It's a different thing than in Abbott where Sammy is innovative with his designs, but he's really clearly kind of executing what I'm asking him to do.
0: Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Saladin Ahmed about comic books, representation, and growing up here in the Detroit area. Also, don't forget if you miss any of today's conversation, you don't have to miss out. You can go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. Download and subscribe to Detroit Today, and uh, you can listen to us when you are ready. We'll be right back on Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guest today is Saladin Amen. He is a writer, novelist, and author of numerous comic books, including... Abbot and Black Bolt and exiles. We are talking about representation, representation in comic books and fantasy stories. How important that is, and how it is changing. Uh, think of the smashing success of the movie Black Panther. What does that mean for the world of comic heroes, both in comic books and on the big spring on the big screen? Does that mean we are headed for a new era of inclusion. Uh, Saladin, I want to start this segment talking about uh, another comic book that you write. It's called Black Bolt. uh, And this is very different from Abbott, which was uh, the series that you are writing about a black woman in the 1970s in Detroit. Uh, Tell us about Black Bolt and tell us about how it fits into that Marvel universe of superheroes.
1: Yeah. So uh, Black Bolt is uh, um, actually uh, wrapping up next month with issue 12. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, the first comic uh, I wrote. started about a year ago, a um, year and a half ago. Um, and it's uh, the project that Marvel invited me on board with. Um, uh, it centers on the titular character, Black Bolt, who is uh, uh, the king of a sort of hidden people, the Inhumans. Now, uh, people might recognize that from <laughs> a an ill-fated recent TV show. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, the Inhumans are sort of Marvel characters who've been around um, for like 50 years, um, debuted in the Fantastic Four, and they're, they've always been this sort of very weird set of cult figures, these sort of, sort of like mutants but different. They don't get their powers at puberty, and they don't live among regular people. They live in this hidden city and uh, are uh, sort of human but more and a lot of them are weird looking and have strange (laughs) shapes so they've always been this weird fit for for marvel and uh they wanted somebody to kind of reinvigorate the character of black bolt who'd been around for 50 years but never had his own solo series um they came to me because i'm a sort of fantasy science fiction writer a novelist before i wrote comics and uh uh black bolt's always been a kind of tough nut to crack so um they came to me as a prose writer and uh um, and at first I was sort of like, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> He's a weird character, but it's Marvel. Yes, of course I'll write this. And, uh, but I, I kind of fell in love with the character.
0: And, and uh, talk about the difference then of writing in that context and, and writing your own stories uh, that, that, that you've come up with on your own.
1: Well, Black Bolt was it was pretty atypical for superhero comics because, I'm you know, I'm working on some other projects now that are um, require more micromanagement. You know, the Marvel Universe is a big, huge thing with lots of moving parts. And so um, just to make sure that writers aren't contradicting each other constantly and, and you characters aren't in two places at once and dead characters aren't doing things that, um, <laughs> and, and to, and to kind of keep a a, a, a sort of franchise wide, I don't want to say tone because there's a variety of tones, but you know, to make sure you're not doing something that's horribly unmarvel, I guess. Um, there's about a certain amount of micromanaging in superhero comics, same at DC. Um, black bolt was an obscure enough, a character when I got him that they were sort of like, well, you could sort of do what you want. And, uh, so I, I sort of flipped it into a a interrogation of uh, of, of superhero power and of uh, of prisons specifically. You know, it's it's the first arc, and really even the second arc um, uh, is about him going to prison. The second arc is really kind of about aftermath and trauma and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, the first six issues of the of Black Bolt, he is in a space prison. Basically the sort of place that Marvel characters, Marvel heroes have always tossed villains. And then you never see the villain again and never think about what happens to them and how they ended up there in the first place. Right. And so um, I wanted, you know, I'm a, I'm a lefty and uh, I have I have some, you know, history uh, with, with the criminal justice system in my own family. Um, so I, I wanted to take some of that apart, you know, yeah. um, and and surprisingly, Marvel really let me do it.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, also Exiles is another uh, storyline that you're um, that you're writing it's a group of mutants led by Nick Fury a character that uh, people may be familiar with and it also features Miss Marvel which is Mm -hmm. Marvel's first Muslim character Mm -hmm. a Pakistani American talk about that series
1: Yeah, Exiles is a comic that uh, is really uh, alternate versions of a bunch of of Marvel characters. So we have have an alternate version of uh, Ms. Marvel who is uh, – she's a young sort of teeny bopper, Muslim-American, probably Mm -hmm. Marvel's most important recent superhero in like the past 20 years, I'd say. Um, And uh, she's – but in my version, she's a kind of bitter old lady with a laser rifle, right? And I have a version (laughs) of Wolverine in the comic – Who's a, a sort of little cartoon, chubby Wolverine who's like got hearts popping off of him and stuff like that. So, <laughs> so the, the it's a very weird book. Uh, it, it existed about you know 15 years ago uh, and was a very successful book, but hasn't been published in some time. So I'm I'm rebooting it with also a, a version of Valkyrie uh, based on Tessa Thompson's uh, version in the recent Thor movie. So um, Valkyrie, who's traditionally a kind of very Lanky, uh, blonde, um, very pale character is uh, this kind of burlier. Tessa's not that big, but but she played the role very big, physically big, and so um, she's this kind of big, burly, you know, black Asgardian <laughs> woman. Um, uh, and so it's uh, it's it's a weird book, but it's also, <laughs> and on one hand, it's a book that's very aimed at people who are Marvel nerds and will dig all the references that are in there, but it's also Kind of meant to be like the X Men was for me when I was a teenager, which is just a book you can pick up and read. This the adventures of all these kind of misfit characters yeah, yeah. Um, uh, bonding with each other, who are very diverse, and uh, it's it's kind of my fun teenage book. Where Black Bolt is my my broody
0: middle age <laughs> book. Uh, you've also written a fantasy novel, Throne of the Crescent Moon, mm-hmm. which received critical acclaim for its Middle Eastern inspired. Heroes, talk about what led you to those characters, and and we've been talking about how you approach representation as it pertains to other uh, unrecognized or unappreciated groups in America. Here, this is a more personal form of representation.
1: Yeah, yeah, and we're you know we're sort of moving chronologically backwards. So it's 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 that was the first before I wrote comics. I mm-hmm. wrote Throne of Crescent Moon, and. Uh, um, It was my very personal kind of first big fictional outpouring um and uh was sort of a mashup of all the things that i that i was growing up and that influenced me to become a writer um you know i uh uh, i was kind of a geeky kid in the 80s so it was the dungeons and dragons (laughs) influence there um but i also i grew up in dearborn in the south end uh, east end of dearborn in immigrant communities, uh, you know, around Arabic food and hearing Arabic spoken. And um, uh, that, you know, my great grandmother used to read to me from the Quran and stuff like that. So, I mean, all, all of this uh, sort of mashed together, I think, in the first. Your first novel is always kind of or your first big fictional thing is always sort of a semi-autobiographical in, in, in a way. And so I think that was, was almost inevitable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and people still read it it's it's pretty it's pretty gratifying it came out about five years ago the sequel is is a long overdue i'm sort of suffering from the uh the epic <laughs> fantasy writer curse and it's uh it's slowly being chipped away at it it'll probably be another few years i yeah, uh, see
0: you say that now the fans are going uh, to expect yeah well that, you, that you know worry.
1: it's 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 a sort of two-way street it's thrilling that people give a darn you know but uh <laughs> But it, it does, it, you just have to say at some point, look, it's it's coming along as it comes along, and I hope you like what I work on in the meantime. Yeah. And yeah. most folks have. Most folks have followed me to the comics and, and and dug what I'm doing there. So,
0: This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Saladin Ahmed, a writer, novelist, and author of numerous comic books including Abbott and Black Bolt and Exiles. We are talking about the idea of representation in comic books and fantasy stories. Uh, think of the movie Black Panther, all of the success that has surrounded that uh, and whether that's changing, whether that is uh, altering the way that we think of who can be superheroes, who's worth featuring in a comic book or in a movie. Let's go to Chris in Dearborn Heights. Chris, welcome to Detroit Today.
2: Good morning. Hey. Um, I love the show. Let me start with that briefly. I have not ever called in before. (laughs) Um, I hope you can hear me okay. Yeah, yes. no, you sound great. Um, I, uh, we could feast Mr. Uh, the straw man and I could feast on all these things for hours as he does with other geeks like me. I am uh, going on 62. I'm a white male. I grew up with Marvel. It was sophisticated. It was cool. It was superheroes with super problems. Yeah. And yes, in the midst of it all, the Inhumans and Black Bolt, tortured, anguished, quiet, <laughs> silent, fearful Black Bolt. So I think your reboot, if that's the right phrase for it, from mm-hmm. la- what last year was is, was brilliant. Oh, thank you. Uh, I found myself kind of getting reimmersed in this world over the last several years only. I mm-hmm. didn't know anything about any artists or writers post-1975 mm-hmm. until a few years ago. And I guess all I wanted to say briefly was, the worlds that these men created, Stanley Lieber, Stanley and Jacob mm-hmm. Kurtzberg back mm-hmm. in 66 with Black Panther, for mm-hmm. example, which I still can't wait to see the film, are joyous mythologies that just infuse um, the worlds now that people inhabit, especially because of the films, but the writers, it all starts with the writing and the artwork, and so I'm, for a lot of reasons I don't need to go into, supremely grateful Uh, for the diversity factor from Jessica Jones to your work to everybody else's that's out there that, frankly, I was very resistant to, I think, Mm. up until a few years ago because it was something I didn't know. But it follows along in that narrative of, again, not to be too colloquial, but superheroes of super problems, that factor of what can be more endlessly fascinating than the human condition. Right. Right. Whether it's Black Bolt or anything else, and I just think you've captured that extremely well. So, Chris, there's thanks. a lot of us older guys and maybe <laughs> women too out there who are forced all behind these efforts to uh, to broaden the reach. Yeah, of, Chris, of, g- book.
0: great, great, uh, great call and, I, and comments, Saladin. Yeah, I, I, I really
1: appreciate that, and uh, <clears throat> I, I love that you you use Jack Kirby and Stanley for for those who don't know the folks who the guys who basically created this whole marvel canon for us i love i love that you use their their immigrant <laughs> parents <laughs> names for them because uh, those of us who are trying to broaden this stuff we are operating in their tradition and and people who are really resistant who say oh uh, why are you making this stuff why why gay superheroes why this um What they they really don't know what those guys were doing back in the day, and how much what they were doing was about blowing open misconceptions. Mm -hmm. And you know, I just read an interview with Jack Kirby where he 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 talks about himself as a minority writer. He uses this phrase because he grew up in the you know depression in the projects as a Mm -hmm. Jewish kid, and uh, you know he 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 talks about you either went into prize fighting or you went into comic books, and it was (laughs) it was so much like reading somebody from some other kind of you know immigrant or underprivileged quote unquote background. And these guys wanted to tell stories that that, that weren't out there, and uh, and and we're doing that now, not kind of uh, violating, you know, right. what, what came before.
0: Right. Uh, we've got about three minutes left, but AK on Twitter says, if you had to pick strands out of the zeitgeist and weave them into a superhero for Detroit in 2018, what would that hero look and act like? <laughs> I think that's a great question. <laughs> I- you know, it's funny
1: because I think actually my answer to that is is the comic I'm, I'm putting out now, Abbott, because she, she's not a superhero. But mm-hmm. um, it's so dangerous to try and talk about what's happening now directly as what's happening now. You do it clumsy. You <laughs> hurt people without meaning to. That's you, really interesting. You know, um, so if you look at Abbott, it's about 1972. But it's also about racial tension in Detroit, about harassment in the workplace, about... Uh women getting paid less about journalism getting downsized about it's about gentrification i mean uh, you know all these sorts of things are in there, and uh for me, it's always easier to talk about those things at a at a remove
0: in a in a historical sort of context, yeah, yeah. And it also sort of gets at the idea that these stories repeat themselves right yeah in, in real life that yeah. the things that we experience. In real time, we're going to see again in exactly. in twenty or thirty years. It's sort of sad for those of us who grew up <laughs> here, right? Uh, yeah. I, I read that when I read that uh, that story about Abbott, I, there there is almost a sadness that I get. Thinking of some of the things you point out in there, some of the places she goes yeah. that are no longer there yeah. or that are really different. She uh, she has an encounter at the Packard plant uh, yeah, in right, right, uh, yeah, yeah. one of the books. Uh, the city really has. I do.
1: I do feel uh, like if my one achievement in life is, I think I put the the cast corridor in a uh, comic yes. book in a nationally published <laughs> comic book caption for the first time, probably That's as right. far as I know at least. That's
0: right. That is an achievement. <laughs> Okay, Saladin Ahmed, writer, novelist, and author of numerous comic books. Thanks very much for being here on Detroit Today.
1: This was a blast. Thank you. All
0: right, that's going to do it for us today. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University.